Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 37 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading verse 18. Revelation 11, verse 18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, we were discussing the wrath of God, that wrath that God had warned the world about, Throughout the history of the world, throughout the recorded history of the Bible, God repeatedly had his servants, the prophets, declare the the day of wrath, the day of the Lord, the day of God's anger would come. And, and that's why it was so important, so urgent for man to uh, somehow get right with God and and so the Lord encouraged mankind to come to him, to seek him and his grace and mercy before the decree come to pass. And that's what this is referring to here in Revelation 11, verse 18. It's referring to the decree of judgment day when it says, Thy wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged. There was an appointed time for Judgment Day. And the Bible is very definite about this. In the book of Acts, we read in Acts 17 and in verse 31, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he has given assurance unto all men, and that he, he hath raised him from the dead. God appointed a day in the which he will judge the world. Now, the appointed day, we learn from the Bible, from the information God sealed up in the biblical calendar of history, and, and when he unsealed the scriptures at the time of the end, as the time of the end began, uh, at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, and God began to bring forth truth and information, including um, times. We we learned the time of the church age. We learned the end of the church age, the time of the Great Tribulation, the end of the Great Tribulation, and we learned the time for Judgment Day, the appointed day, May 21, 2011, began Judgment Day. And of course, the appointed day is referring to Judgment Day as a whole. And and so from May 21, 2011, up until now, and uh, in all likelihood until October 7th, 2015, is Judgment Day. It is a prolonged day of judgment that God appointed in the which to judge mankind. 
and and that's what the time of the dead um, that they should be judged is referring to here in Revelation 11 verse 18. But uh, doesn't this present us with a problem though? Because if we understand that May 21, 2011 was Judgment Day, the appointed day that Acts 17 spoke of, the day when God's wrath arrived, God's wrath came, and therefore it was the time of the dead on that day as well as all these days since. Well, doesn't that present the problem that... Um, God isn't judging the dead right now. He didn't, he didn't raise the dead. And we know that on the last day, he's going to raise the elect dead and transform them and give them new resurrected bodies. And according to the Bible, he'll also raise up the dead bodies of all the unsaved, not to give them any kind of life. They'll have no conscience existence once again, but just to raise them out of the ground, to leave them upon the face of the earth before he uh, finally destroys the, the whole world and creation. And, and so they have been raised to be destroyed. Or as it says in John 5, in verse 29, and, and I'll start reading in verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And that that would be that uh, final destruction, that complete annihilation of whatever is left of the unsaved that long ago died, maybe they died, thousands of years ago or or hundreds of years ago or decades ago, but they died unsaved. And at the moment that an unsaved individual dies, his spirit uh, ceases to be. He he never again knows anything. He, he has no uh, mind. His soul is gone from him. God judges him at that point, but still... He or she must await the final judgment, which is the complete destruction of whatever is left of their body, their bones or their their dust or whatever remains there are, must be obliterated, annihilated, and utterly destroyed as God emphasizes the um, sorrowful truth that the Bible declares that the unsaved die and will never be brought back to life again. And and so the destruction of whatever elements remain of their body and the complete removing of them, it guarantees that will never happen. That person is dead, dead forever. Well, um, where it says, Thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged. We know in the day of judgment on the last day when God destroys the world and universe that he will complete the judgment on all of the physically dead, unsaved people that are in the graves by destroying whatever is left of their bodies. 
But May 21, 2011 also is the time of the judgment for the dead. And I think we'll see that. Let's um, let the Bible guide us and let the Bible define its own terms. Here God is saying that judgment day is a time when his wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged. And this is not only referring to those physically dead, but it's referring to the spiritually dead that are walking very much physically alive upon the earth right now. And and they're physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. We read in Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to read a few verses in Matthew. Matthew 8, verse 22 says, But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Now he, uh, this man had said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. So his father was physically dead, and yet Jesus says to him, No, don't return back. Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Now, of course, that would be an impossibility if um, the Lord is referring to the physically dead, burying the physically dead. That can't happen. There, there's no way that something like that can happen. But he is referring to the spiritually dead, burying their physically dead, those that have died physically. And so let the dead bury their dead. And and here we see God drawing a comparison that someone who is physically dead is called dead and someone who is spiritually dead is also called dead or viewed by God to be dead. And that means wherever we find the word dead in the Bible, we cannot just assume, well, it must be referring to the physically dead. We have to examine the context. We, we have to see what else uh, we can find out in order to determine, is it the physically dead or is it the spiritually dead that the Lord is referring to? In Matthew chapter 10, we read um, Jesus giving instructions to the twelve as he's sending them forth. In the middle of the verse, in Matthew 10, 5, it says, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. And here, as Christ is giving instruction to the apostles. What complicates these instructions or these statements is that there were certain miracles taking place that God permitted some of the apostles to perform for a short period of time. And so we read this and and uh, we might think, oh, this is referring to the apostles having the power to do exactly what Christ was doing. But really, when we think about raising the dead, we see that Jesus raised the dead. We see that um, the uh, Apostle Paul in the book of Acts was was granted power to raise a young man who fell from 
uh, a high loft and he fell down dead and and then he was risen from the dead but but other than that there was no uh, miracle of raising the dead um, unless I'm missing something and even if there was another instance or occasion that certainly is not what's in view with Christ's statement to the twelve. He was speaking matter-of-factly, this is what you will expect to see, each of you, as you go forth. He was empowering them to be able to heal the sick and cleanse lepers and raise the dead and cast out devils. And once we understand that all those things relate to salvation... They uh, happen spiritually when the Lord saves a sinner. They that person is healed of a sin sick soul, and and leprosy represents sin in the Bible. So the cleansing of a leper it pictures a sinner uh, having his sins washed away. Raising the dead is a reference to the spiritual dead heart of man, and when. Uh, when the gospel goes into the path of one of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, that is one of God's elect, chosen, predestinated to salvation from the foundation of the world, then that person hears and God uh, blesses his word and uses his word to create a new heart and give a new spirit, new life, and the individual becomes a new creature in the sight of God. That's That's what... This is referring to in Matthew 23, in Matthew 23, it says in verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. And a whited sepulcher would be like a tomb where you would keep a dead body. And and Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees, spiritual leaders of Israel, and yet they were not saved men. And therefore, inwardly, inwardly, spiritually in their soul, they were dead. They within were full of dead men's bones. And it's only salvation. It's only um, God that can resurrect the soul of a dead sinner. In Luke 15, in the parable of the prodigal son, it says in verse 24, and this is the father speaking, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, the father doesn't mean that his son had a heart attack or his son died and and was buried in the ground. He doesn't mean that. He means that my son went far away into sin. He took all of his living and wasted it. And now he has returned. It is as though he is alive. And it's a, a beautiful picture of God the Father as he sees a sinner during the day of salvation as God drew a man to himself 
and and God granted him repentance so that he did turn from his wicked way and turn to return to God and and come to the Father and then God could exclaim just as the Father in this parable he was lost and is found uh, he my son was dead and is alive again and and so we see again God is referring to spiritual death not physical death in Ephesians 2 it's uh, said plainly in verse 1 and you hath he quickened quickened means brought to life and of course this is in italics but it, uh, it it's actually stated later so it, it uh, the translators were trying to help us but uh, there's no need and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then in verse 5 of Ephesians 2, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, that is, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you're saved. So God declares, we were dead. Those of us who are truly born again children of God, have been dead. We were dead spiritually. Our souls were dead. We have actually experienced the resurrection, the first resurrection of our soul existence. This is why um, God says in Revelation chapter 20, in uh, verse 5, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. That is, there's two resurrections. There's the resurrection of the heart or soul, and there's the resurrection of the body. Everyone who is an elect must experience the first resurrection. And uh, that's what God accomplished when he sent the gospel out into the world, carried by his messengers. And that's what salvation was. It was the resurrection of the dead soul so that we have risen from the dead in our soul existence to experience the first resurrection. And Because of that, the second death has no power over anyone who who has become saved and experienced the first resurrection. If you've experienced that first resurrection, it's guaranteed you will experience the second resurrection of the body. And, And that's why God speaks of giving his Holy Spirit as an earnest or a down payment of his promise of salvation. He He's already accomplished the resurrection of our soul, so why would we ever doubt that he would complete it and not finish the thing that he had said he would do and resurrect our body as well? And, and, in other words, God will not leave us half done. He, he will complete his entire salvation program on the last day, the day of the resurrection. But 
the child of God and all of God's children have now, it can be said, experienced the first resurrection. There is no one else to experience that. Everyone to be saved has been saved and has been resurrected in heart that first time and and we wait for the the second resurrection of the body well uh, we also read uh there's there's many verses um let's go to 1 Timothy 5 it says in verse 6 and this is referring to um a widow but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth and again how can that be understood someone living in pleasure is is dead while she lives and there's no way to understand that uh as the world would understand death that that makes no sense but as soon as we realize that god is looking at spiritual death and and when someone is living in pleasure it's speaking of the pleasure of sin she's living in sin and therefore she's walking after the flesh she has no life in her it's a uh, indicator that there has been no change in her heart so she remains spiritually dead while she physically lives and and, and so there there are just numerous scriptures where god using the same word dead as we find in our verse in revelation 11:18 is speaking of the spiritually dead. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, it says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And uh, it also says in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 4, verses 5 and 6, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Now, that's an interesting phrase God is using to judge the quick. And the word quick, it's an old English word that means uh, to live. And, and so God is saying he will judge the living and the dead. He will judge the living and the dead. Now, uh, Previously, we've always thought that means God will judge the unsaved living at the time when he comes, and God will judge the dead unsaved as well. But it's just something for us to consider, and that is that God has revealed to us that uh, that his people will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, that we will remain alive on the earth in the day of judgment, and God uh, uses that word "alive" in in First Thessalonians chapter four. Those that are alive and remain, and we are living in the day of judgment. So it's just something for us to consider when we come across this uh, this scripture. I'm not going to say anything more about it, but. Um, and just something to think about. Then in verse 6 of 1 Peter 4, it says, For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. 
Now, what possibly could that mean? The gospel is preached to them that are dead. Do we go to the cemetery and, and do we uh, preach the gospel to those that are in the ground and under headstones are individuals in, in that one particular church correct as they pray for the dead uh, since the gospel can be preached to them? No, absolutely not. It has nothing to do with that. We're, once someone's dead, that their eternal condition was sealed and would never be changed regardless of uh, who or how many people prayed for them. And likewise, reading the gospel to the dead or, or bringing the gospel to the dead means nothing. But God did preach the gospel to a world who are spiritually dead. And so he preached to them that are dead. Once we understand that many verses um, uh, begin to make sense and and we realize, oh, that it's not speaking of someone who has physically died, but someone who has uh, died in, in their spirit, in their soul existence. Well, again, Revelation eleven eighteen says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged. May 21, 2011, the appointed day of judgment, and God began to judge the dead of the world, all those that are spiritually dead. God uh, has been judging them in an ongoing manner since May 21, 2011. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.